disguise my bad intentions I've got nothing to hide Except the tendency to separate the part of me That's feeling too desperate to die Maybe I've been dreaming a road fire Like I just can't stop Maybe I've been running on the inside All alone with my negative thoughts there Hello and thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 85 and on this week's show we have a triple threat, triple feature. First time we've had one of these in fucking year and a half. We're going to be discussing (laughs) Sound of Metal, we're going to be talking Mank, and we're talking Run, Hulu's Run. It's going to be huge. We're excited. I'm excited. Travis, welcome back to the show, bud. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. And Tom, how's it going, buddy? Going good. Hell yeah. All right. Well, first things first, I got a PlayStation 5. <laughs> Ask me anything. <laughs> How big is it? Uh, it's enormous. Uh, a good four or five feet tall, at least. <laughs> Jesus. I Does can... it, how's the fan? Pretty quiet? So, yes, it is quiet. However, when it boots up, there's like a a loud, like, grind, not grinding, but it's like a loud kind of whirring noise. And I've read that there's literally a sticker in the back that you can remove. Like, it has something to do with a a coil inside. I don't know. Um, But it usually will go away after like 15 seconds. Um, So, very quiet. I have had some crashes. Um, I've almost exclusively been been playing the Spider-Man remastered because um, my bundle came with like the ultimate edition of Miles Morales, and I never played the original, so I'm playing the the remastered before I do Miles Morales. And it's crashed on me a couple times. I've had a couple soft crashes where the game freezes up, but the console still works, so I can like. You know, go out to the menu, close the game, and reboot it. Um, But I have had one console freeze where, like, the game froze, and you could still hear, like, sound. But it was locked up. I couldn't do anything, so I had to, like, force restart it. Um, You know, that's to be expected. I mean, it's a brand new console. There's uh, some kinks they got to work out, I'm sure. But I also had one weird sound issue where, like, some of the dialogue wasn't audible and like I couldn't hear fight noises. Like I could hear like explosions and I could hear like, you know, the city noise, but I couldn't hear. Do you think that was an issue with the game or the PlayStation? I I, see. I don't know. I don't know enough about how that stuff renders to know if that is like something that's crashing in the game, like a sound bug. I would think something with the game. I, I don't think that would be a console issue, but, um, yeah, yeah you just, know, just blame it on COVID. Yeah. You know, they had to rush that thing out the door. So, <laughs> you know, some of, some of these little things are to be expected, but I've been loving it. I've had the house to myself for the past couple of days. Cause Haley has been in Alabama visiting her dad. So I've just been like five, six hours a day cranking out Spider-Man. It's been good. Nice. Pre-ordered cyberpunk. Uh, that's not a next gen game, which I didn't realize, but you know, stoked for it. So that comes out Thursday. So I'll be grinding away at that. 
So it's not optimized for the next gen systems? No. So is it is going to be? Well, so they have said down the road they would like to do something to like not do a next gen version, but basically a patch that takes advantage of mm-hmm. some of the console features, which I don't really know how that's different from a actual PlayStation 5 version. You know because what I mean? Because they're like, they're, sa- they're not going to have like uh like better graphics they're just going to do some of the uh maybe like a way to take care take advantage of the um the triggers or the weird like the you know the controller inputs or uh some of the features like isn't there something where you can tell like how far how what percentage through a chapter of a game you are or something for playstation 5 like progress checks yeah there's like a like a dashboard level like hint system you can see like trophy progress um, i bet that's what they're talking about yeah it's it's unclear (laughs) yeah graphics well they thought this game was going to come out (laughs) quite a bit ahead of the console releases originally didn't they i'm pretty sure april was the original release date that might be Mm. That might be why they yeah. thought they were going to get it out the door. Then they pushed it to September and then finally to December. So I'm fully expecting it to be buggy as shit, but it'll, at the very least, it should run way better on PS5 as far as like, you know, loads, load times and uh, um, performance, like frame rate stuff, I would imagine. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see, but. Yeah, I already have that game because uh, the One X that I bought a few months ago came with a copy of it or a digital code or whatever. Oh, right. I forgot you bought the Cyberpunk bundle. You actually curious? Or are you going to play it? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Biggest <laughs> fan, Cyberpunk. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Are you... Uh, are you- Do you got pre-ordered or are you uh No. Waiting? I mean, I'm stoked to play. I just don't know when it's going to happen. Because I was kind of, I was going to be a holdout and say maybe I'll get it when I get a PlayStation Five. But now that I've heard what you just said, I'm rethinking that. But I, I have so many other games I've, I've never played that I saw. Like I bought the, uh, the RE2 remaster because I've never played that game originally that I want to play. I have uh-huh. Control, never played Control. So stop playing so much Apex. Ah, it's hard to do though for these games. (laughs) Yeah, I've been playing. I've been playing Divinity a little bit (laughs) to try and finish that one up because I'm pretty close to the end of Divinity Original Sin Two. So I did start uh, Fallen Order because it's on Game Pass now. Mm -hmm. Star Wars. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm like maybe an hour or so in. It's decent so far. Feels like a cool little Star Wars campaign game. That's about how far I got. I bought that game. <laughs> I think I paid full price for that game. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was That's enjoying amazing. it. I just, <laughs> I think so. I mean, this is a little we're getting off track here, but when I played that game and you get to like the first like world after like the, the introductory stuff, like the opening sequence, you get to like a With world. The train. Uh, with the train? No, I think it's after the train sequence. You're talking about that like extended, like moving through the train carts sequence, right? Yeah, that's basically where I stopped. Is shortly after. Oh, that. okay. So I'm I got maybe 30 minutes past that because you like meet up with uh, some new characters and you like join their crew. It's like the first world you go to, and there's this like hidden room that has like a strong enemy in it, and I just should have left it alone, right? And just kept moving past it but 
I just wanted to kill it. And uh, after about 20 minutes of me banging my head against that enemy, I was like, all right, fuck this. I'm never playing this game again. Oh, my God. <laughs> what difficulty are you playing on? Just fucking normal, dude. I think it's one of those, like, Weird. you're not. Su- it's one of those things you're supposed to come back to mm-hmm. when you have the, the necessary skills or you ha- you're a higher level. But I don't Is know. Is it an open world game like that where you go back to things i didn't really get that vibe but i haven't played much so yeah yeah so you you unlock worlds and there are areas of the worlds that are like inaccessible until you learn new like force powers and shit Mm. so there is some of that i don't know how much of it but but the missions would be kind of on a track not like fallout missions where you just do them whenever wherever right yeah i like i'm pretty sure the main missions are kind of on rails in the sense that you know there's a certain place you have to go and you have a set sequence to complete but there's like side missions and collectibles and all that kind of stuff too that you can do in between all the good stuff yeah dude um so yeah anyway been enjoying it i have other i have more ps5 questions yeah (laughs) how's the controller uh pretty fucking sweet um yeah it's not the um like revelation that some people are making it out to be like some people are like i'm never going to be able to use another controller again like this is so innovative and really the only thing that's new about it is the adaptive triggers yeah which are pretty cool but i haven't had a ton of experience with them yet because spider-man remastered doesn't utilize it um so i played a little bit of astrobot and Astrobot is basically a demo for the controller, yeah. so that is really cool. But the adaptive triggers are—it's going to depend on how developers take advantage of them. Like I could—it could be really annoying. Like if you just cram it into your game for no reason, it could be yeah, like you're just going to turn it off. Yeah, exactly. What about what about? Uh, have you played like COD? No, no, I, I'm I, I'm. Uh, not buying anything until I don't know. I'll, I'll probably wait a bit because there's a lot of uh, PlayStation Plus games. Like they have God of War on there. They've got uh, Days Gone. So well, like, I just meant like Warzone. You don't have Warzone installed, dude. I'm, that'll fill up my hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. It's brand new. <laughs> well, the reason I'm asking is just because if it's gonna be like. Not like it's hard to do, but if it's going to be more hard to pull down on an adaptive trigger or take longer or whatever, theoretically, that could put you at a disadvantage in a first-person shooter. That's why everybody buys these scuff controllers with their digital triggers so they can just click, click, click. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't. uh, I don't think they added that into Warzone. It is in Cold War. I know that, but I don't don't know if the uh, PS5 Warzone version added that in. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it could either be really gimmicky and annoying, or um, just kind of developers might not use it at all. So yeah. I'll have to wait and see. But it's it's pretty cool. It feels very similar to a a DualShock Four. But um, how about like the the haptic feedback stuff? Is that cool? Um, I don't. I mean, it's it's a, a natural progression from the DualShock Four as far as like the uh rumbling in one side of it's like a more precise rumble right yeah. but i mean we've had rumble since the fucking n64 expansion pack or whatever you know <laughs> like we've right. come a long way but it's just a more refined version of that and same thing with like the touchpad 
which the DualShock 4 had, games really didn't use that much, right? So it, it could be another situation where even if it's a little bit more precise, I, I think most developers are probably just going to not mess with it. Um, but it functionally, it works, it works really good. Uh, works really good. Yeah. I would assume you're not going to get a lot of that functionality or, you know, the, the components of the system or whatever until more games come out. Cause right now there's only like a few games, right. For the next gen. Yeah. I mean, PlayStation has more first party stuff than Xbox because Xbox doesn't have like really anything at yeah, launch but because Xbox <laughs> no <laughs> but you know I mean there's Miles Morales there's Demon Souls and then there's like Bug Snacks and Astrobot which are like not triple A games you know what I mean and Bug, yeah. Bug Snacks is multi-platform so it'll probably be at least a year a year and a half before we see a game that was built for the PlayStation 5 from the ground up you know what I mean? So yeah, I have to wait and see. But biggest game changer, we should probably move past this because there's probably like f- 10 people who give a shit about what we're talking about right now. But um, the biggest thing is load times. Like I can boot up Spider-Man from like it's not in a suspense state. Boot it up. I'm at the main men- menu in less than 10 seconds and I'm in the game a couple seconds later. And with fast travel... You the whole map eventually fast. You can fast travel between different points. Two seconds. I literally timed it. I can go to the other mm-hmm. side of the map. Two seconds later, I'm there. Like yeah. that's beautiful, huge. Like to that's not awesome. have to sit on a loading screen, and it's making me want to like 100% the game. Like get a platinum because it just makes getting all the collectibles and doing the challenges so much easier because you can just zip around the map. You know, use the fast point. You're not just sitting watching loading screens. That that's the biggest thing for me. Um, So as games get bigger and they start to push the hardware, I bet we're probably going to get back to where we were before. You know what I mean? As far as like load times and and frame rate drops, like as they push the limits, like that stuff is going to catch back up. But at launch, fuck yeah, dude. Five second load times, (laughs) two second fast travel. I'm here for it. Beautiful. Yep. So on a scale of one to ten, how satisfied are you with your purchase? So far, I would say a nine. I, uh, I'm i loving it. I love how huge and it's kind of a monstrosity, but I, I kind of like the way it looks. I just have it set up next to my TV. Um, and Haley surprised me by getting me one of those uh, those Pulse 3D headsets that are oh. like kind of hard to find. Wait, the, is this the new the new PlayStation yeah. headset? Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't know you had that. I'm really curious to hear about that. It's really cool. Um, Matt, could you spend ten minutes on that, please? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, as long as as long as you need. <laughs> it's, give me all the detail. Well, so um, ear feel amazing. Ten out of ten. It's not too hot, like hard. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like it's nice and cushy. Doesn't squeeze your head too tight. Um, the 3d sound is amazing. Like you can hear the precision of it. Like if something happens behind me to my right, I know that from the audio cues, like it's that precise where I, it's like peripheral audio, right? Like in real life, if something happens behind me, I can kind of pin down where it is before I look. It's, it's, it's like that, right? Which is pretty cool. Um, and the microphone I have tested a little bit. 
it's not great. Um, like it doesn't it doesn't sound the best. I I turned down the microphone level a little bit and there's a little bit more clarity. Um, so that would be one minor complaint is that it's you're not gonna get the level of of chat audio that you get from something that has like a dongle, right? That you know only captures the sound that's right in front of your face. But the the noise canceling stuff on the new headset is better than it is on the gold headsets like the playstation 4 ones which you have one of those right tom yeah yeah great headset i I had mine for years but this is yeah better in every way (laughs) yeah it gets a little uncomfortable after a while it does yeah this one uh, i've had zero head fatigue and it is pricey it's a 100 bucks uh but i didn't pay for it Haley bought me for it bought it for me so okay (laughs) sick all right uh, we should move on. You guys can ask me other questions off air if you want, but, uh, mm-hmm. anything else, any housekeeping, any stories you guys want to tell? I know I kind of hogged the airtime on that intro, but God, what a jerk. Um, <laughs> fucking well, Xbox guy over here doesn't even care. He's just humoring me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited to get a new console eventually, but yeah, I'll probably go the Xbox route. Um, yeah, but yeah enough video game talk. Uh, it's not like the the biggest coolest purchase ever but i did get a 75 inch 4k tv for my media room hey oh yeah and i did upgrade my sound system as well uh got a pretty as far as sound bars go i think it's pretty high up there but it's not like you know bose or sonos or anything like that yeah uh so i have uh made my movie watching situation um, much better over the, the last week or so because we put the cool TV downstairs so I had the old beater in the media room and that just wasn't cutting it <laughs> and my Vizio soundbar I found out is kind of ass compared to um, a legit soundbar so I'm pretty stoked on that and uh, I'm uh, back into watching movies now back in love maybe oh we'll yeah see. Glad to have you back. Quality uh, releases, but uh, (laughs) yeah, the new TV is nice. I'm very happy with it. Didn't go OLED. OLED, maybe a few years down the road. Price points are still a little too high, especially for the the 75 inchers. So sound was or size was more important to me, I guess. But uh, yeah, pretty excited about that. Does it? Does your TV have QLED, or is that like exclusively a Roku TV thing? Uh. I don't think so. It was. It's just like a standard 4K Samsung TV. It is a 2020 model, but it's still not like... I don't think it's QLED and it's not OLED. But the picture on it looks great. I don't know. I. This is... I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, but it, the difference between Blu-ray and 4K, I haven't really noticed. And maybe it's my TV's... Like they're not, maybe I need to have an OLED to really see the difference, but I don't know. I'm just not fully sold on the 4k yet, even though in this past week or so I bought probably 20 or 30 4k. Oh my God. (laughs) But I'm still not completely sold on it. I, uh, with the briefly on the 4k thing, I think I'm right there with you. I buy it because I know it's supposed to be the best, but do I really think it's that much better than Blu-ray? You know, like I will pay $20 for a 4k versus eight for a Blu-ray. 
even though the differences are negligible to me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just do it because that's the fucking future, dude, right? And we I got a 4K TV. To an extent. Yeah. Because eventually you'll probably get one of those higher-end TVs. Yeah. But, you know, like th- some movies you definitely notice the difference more than others. Like, something that is like a, you know, like a visual masterpiece like the like mummy or something movie. you know like that you really see it pop on a 4k <laughs> but you know most of the time i think the differences are negligible i just do it because i'm want to be a cool guy right <laughs> cool well, yeah i'll have to test that theory out some because i got the dark knight trilogy set on 4k now so i can do a little uh comparison uh, double dipped on Dunkirk because I only bought the Blu-ray Steelbook previously. <laughs> the Dunkirk double dip. Those are the only ones I've really double dipped on so far, though. Last thing before we move on. Uh, I'm hearing that the Lord of the Rings 4K set is like cream of the crop, like the must-own 4K transfer of all time like people are losing it over this transfer so if you really want to put that new tv through the ringer you gotta you gotta pop on that 90 uh, just, fucking dollar 4k set i just feel like such an asshole because my lord of the rings blu-ray set is still in cellophane <laughs> so you have like the fancy like extended cut it's like a like a golden book one yeah. that I have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you haven't even you haven't even watched it. Oh my god, no. Nope. <laughs> well, now's the time. I mean, it's still in the, it's still in the wrap. You can just sell it. Yeah, make it, make make twenty bucks on it. Call it good. <laughs> uh, are you popping, Tom? Or what do you think? That was a stupid question, Matt. Come on. The the Lord of the Rings 4K. Yeah, dude. No. no what? Dude. I can't start collecting physical media that's just one thing is not a collection i think we you talked about it. this a few episodes ago where we said if you were gonna buy any physical i know release, if it was one it would be this <laughs> it would be this 90 dollars is a lot of money for, it's 80 on amazon okay. but you gotta wait a couple weeks for yeah delivery. but it's for a movie i've seen like 400 times so that's just a big but how many Plus, times have you seen them in 4k it, well, never, but how many times? I, I always want to rewatch Lord of the Rings, like always, especially around Christmas. When do I do it? Never, because Sarah never wants to watch it, and I need, like, now with the baby, like, I have to pretty much sacrifice whatever free time I have over the weekend, it would have to be devoted to watching Lord of the Rings. So, um, You'd have to take time off work to watch Lord of the Rings. I'd probably have to take time. I'd have to take a day off work, yeah. (laughs) Like my birthday would be. uh, Yeah, for my birthday, I'd like everybody to leave the house for 12 hours while I watch Lord of the Rings Extended Edition by myself. Hey, I mean, you certainly can. Your birthday is, what, two two months away? I mean... (laughs) Yeah. Now's the time to start planning. Plus, it'll be like the first time. Maybe I'll ask for it for my birthday. Yeah, there you go. It'll be like seeing it again for the first time because they uh, the color transfer, like they, I sent Dude, you some the, of those pictures. They got rid the, of that that green tinge. The side by side you sent me, I was like, oh my god, I need this. Mm-hmm. It's a new movie. It's yeah, I know. It's gonna be huge. All right, enough uh, jibber jabber. Tom, uh, anything you want to mention before we move yeah. on? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get my Peloton tomorrow. I don't know if I told you I ordered this, Matt. I think you did, or maybe you were on the. Maybe you were considering. It happened. Oh, it yeah. happened. Pulled the trigger. Pulled the trigger hard 
all the way as far back as it would go. Hell yeah. <laughs> to really crank that adapter trigger, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I I don't think I have sweat in about five months, so maybe longer. Um, so I'm looking forward to that very much. I'll send you guys some photos, maybe some selfies of me yeah. on the bike. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I need to get a helmet just to feel like I'm I'm really out there on the road. You, you should uh, <laughs> <laughs> you should start a Twitch channel and just stream yourself doing Peloton classes. Oh yeah, I'll be your first follower. Great, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm gonna start a whole new trend. Watch people work out. <laughs> I've never heard someone. Uh, be so excited about working out but i mean at that price point you kind of have to be right i don't know like it's uh <laughs> don't you feel like shit just sitting around all day never being able to oh like... yeah <laughs> and i mean i run but i can't i can't get myself to run in the winter it's too cold i'm a baby about the cold uh, I'd rather so be am i dude even going for a walk i'm like yeah <laughs> It's Is it rainy? chilly out today? It looks like it might. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Just so that's to my... Florida. It helps. Right. <laughs> uh, that's my short update. I'll, I'll let you guys know uh, how consistently I've used it next time we, we record. Cool. I, I bet I told, you will. They're I was telling cool. Tom, uh, he, we need the 30-day review, the 90-day review, the six-month review, and then the, the full year. Yeah, yeah. the purchase like that. I mean, I know it's an investment. Yeah, we need to know. My prediction: thirty days, you're still going to be killing it. Still going to be loving it. Ninety days hits, you're going to be like, uh, you know, I've, you know, the a little repetitive. I'm kind of falling <laughs> off it, but I still do it like once or twice a week. And then the six month mark, there's going to be about four months of dust on that thing. And I'm going to be like, I'm paying. A monthly fee for this thing that I don't use. <laughs> it just comes off my card. I don't even notice it. It's just there. Anybody, anybody want to buy a Peloton? Gently used. <laughs> yeah, those those things are really cool. They're just the the price entry for uh, pri- Jesus Christ price. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Entry is just a little too uh, a little too. Well, high you can do like a you know a long payment Pay as program you go thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm paying like on a. I think like a one year plan or something, but also you have to pay the app fee, which is like $40 a month. Right. The subscription service. Or yeah. Whatever. So it's yeah. going to be like 200 bucks a month. All told yeah. maybe a little bit more, but cool. yeah. All right. Well, that's what I have to say about that. Cool. Um, <laughs> that's my beer, pizza and Wendy's breakfast burp. That's how I feel about your fucking Damn. exercise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You've already consumed Disgusting. Wendy's pizza and beer today. Yeah, I bought a stuffed crust pepperoni pizza from Pizza Hut last night. I ate five slices and then woke up at five o'clock in the morning with horrible heartburn. Um, mm. And I had to crush some Tums and then fall back asleep. Then I ordered Wendy's breakfast with uh, vanilla f- uh, Frosty Chino. With Travis, bullshit. you're right. It's pretty good. <laughs> the vanilla bullshit, pretty good. Uh, and then I had leftover pizza for lunch. And now I'm on my second beer. So I'm just, you know, I'm crushing Hell it. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and get into our reviews. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. We're going to start things off with Sound of Metal. We have a clip. Let's listen. Oh, 
Noisy. Search. Throat. Ditch. Fish. Talk. Ring. Brum. Germ. Life. Team. Lid. Lid. Okay, so Sound of Metal is an Amazon original movie written and directed by Darius Martyr with a story credit from my boy Derek C. in France of Blue Valentine and Place Beyond the Pines fame. Plot synopsis reads, a heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. Film stars Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, and Paul Racy, or Rachie. Not sure how you say it, but Paul, what did you guys think of Sound of Metal? Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first, if you if y'all don't mind. Yeah, go for it all. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I was maybe a little disappointed by it. Maybe just because I had different expectations. Uh, I thought the performances were really good, mainly the the leads or the uh, the ones we spend the most time with, Olivia Cook and uh, Riz Ahmed, and then the counselor Joe. guy. Yeah, Joe. That's Paul. Uh, Paul Racy or Ragey or whatever. So even though he was good in the movie, and I don't know if I've ever really seen him in a movie before i don't really recognize him uh i thought it was pretty disappointing that the movie and it it's probably how it happened in real life so it's i feel bad for like criticizing the movie for this but it really disappointed me to see where the movie spent a lot of its time and it was at that um like i don't even know what you call it like a deaf clinic of some sort it's like some sort of community of um, people who you know have lost their hearing and they deal with their addiction problems and stuff. I don't know. I just I feel like I've seen way too many movies lately where someone goes somewhere with similar people to try and get better, mm-hmm. um, like a re- and, a rehab film, basically. But was yeah. this based on a true story? I didn't realize that. If that's the case, I don't think so. No, I thought or- it was. But Based on a I'm true wrong. story, uh, maybe if it is, I I wasn't aware. Hmm. Maybe I'm thinking of well, because I know Derek C. in France has been attached to this story for a long time, and I thought it was based on a real guy, but maybe I'm misremembering. Um, but anyways, it was just, I mean, that makes it even worse if it wasn't based on a true story that they <laughs> decided to go there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just feel like I've just seen that way too often. And I know it's kind of par for the course for certain um, movies that, you know, deal with issues. But for this one, um, it is a bit more subdued than I was expecting. But I was hoping for a little more music, a little more metal, 
a little less um, like rehab stuff. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. Uh, I thought the ending was pretty strong and some of the like final scenes, even though the ending, I do think it was a good ending, but it also was a little cheesy and on the nose as well. Um, but beyond that, yeah, I mean, I thought it was good, but I think I was slightly disappointed just because I was expecting something different. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm mostly right there with you. Um, I I did really enjoy it. Um, the writer and director he co-wrote the Place Beyond the Pines with Derek C in France, and I definitely was getting Place Beyond the Pines vibes. I mean, maybe it's just because I knew the connection, but. I don't know. I mean, even down to the main character having bleach blonde hair and tattoos, like, <laughs> and kind of being a story about outcasts and, and you know, uh, these, these personal struggles that kind of prevent uh, your relationship from flourishing and seeking help and all this stuff. Like, these are mostly surface level comparisons, but even, even in the way it looks, I definitely was getting placed beyond the pine vibes. Um I I think the performances are the strongest aspect of the film by a mile. I think Riz Ahmed is a shoe-in for Best Actor this year for whatever award season looks like next year, right? I, I think he's he's a shoe-in. Um, I thought Olivia Cook was really good. I am curious, though. Do you think she was actually doing the vocals for the metal stuff? Do you think that was her or mm. did they have someone else doing it? It's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I do really like her. I kind of wish she was in the movie a bit more. She's not in it as much as you would think or hope. She would yeah, be in it. yeah. Mostly she, at she, the beginning and end. Yes, she disappears for the whole the whole second act. Um, which, I mean, I'm I'm gonna echo some of the things that you said. Like the second act, while I think is where basically all of the character growth comes from, and it is poignant, and it is very there's a very humanist touch to those sequences you just can tell that they did their research that i'm sure they had multiple consultants that they reached out to for the film to just get the deaf community aspect of it right you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. at the same time the uh i'm not gonna say the the pace kind of comes to a, a screeching halt but it it definitely slows down and I started to lose interest a little bit there in that second act. And then mm-hmm. ultimately there are some kind of generic choices that are made with the next steps that the character makes where you're like, okay, yeah, of course they had to do this for the drama. Got to have the drama. But um, the ending was strong, but definitely a little uh, a little derivative. It, it seemed like an easy ending, and I, I, I kind of expected a little more bravery out of the ending. Like, I wanted something, but I didn't hate the ending, but um wasn't huge on it. So, my general impression, really, really liked it, but not as much as I thought I might have. Same. I feel like you guys don't like it that much. I, Even though you both said you did. No, no, I did. I just, those, the, the negatives are what were jumping out to me because I think the first half of this movie is just so, so strong. Like the sound design in this movie is so cool and so well done. Like the, the progressive hearing loss, 
just the way that they handle all of that and his kind of bullheaded decisions as a character. And you're like, dude, you, you need to take care of yourself. And it's like, that stuff was good for the forward progression of the plot, but mm-hmm. just, I don't know. Pacing was a little off. It, it wasn't exactly the movie I was expecting and that's not the movie's fault, but um, I don't know. I, I went into man, this expecting it to be movies, like the best. How many movies have we seen where a character goes to a community of some sort to try and, you know, better themselves or feel more at home or whatever? Like there's countless examples in the last three to five years. There's like, and more, it's more fitting for the the plot, but like Leave No Trace does it to some extent, Short Term 12. I mean, obviously the whole movie kind of revolves around that. Um, same with like, uh, what's the movie Dallas Buyers Club? There's there's tons of examples, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like too many movies have used that as like a plot device or like a location, and it just gets old after a while. Like to me, that that I mean, th- this movie is somewhat special in a way because of like the sound design and the performances and stuff. But the the whole through line of it, I feel like we've seen it before. And definitely in the last like few years, more than once. So uh, that's where I was disappointed from it. But I still think it's a good movie. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really liked it. Um, I th- I agree with you guys. I thought uh, Riz was was uh, his performance was really really strong. I the sound design was was awesome. Um, there were a couple parts where I think they just used it super super effectively, like. I didn't have any qualms with where they chose to, um, you know, give you Riz's perspective versus someone who might be like standing next to him with normal hearing. Yeah. Um, and I, I, as a viewer, I felt like it effectively made me feel uncomfortable at the times that Riz was feeling uncomfortable about his inability to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see where you're going or what, what, what you're talking about, Travis, but it, it didn't feel like another movie I'd seen recently just because maybe just because of the basic fact that like it's a deaf community and like the hearing loss is um, unique in that way uh, as far as films I've seen goes. So it I didn't feel like I was watching a movie I'd seen before. Um well, I and, watch more movies than you, Tom. So yeah, you do. You do watch more <laughs> movies than me. That's for sure. Uh, I also did not get bored in the second act. I thought the second act was great. I had no idea what to expect coming into this movie. I was a little bit surprised with how quickly he loses his hearing and so dramatically. Like yeah. it's like the first ten mm-hmm. minutes, and we're we're in it. You know, I thought it was going to be more progressive, and he'd be hiding it for much longer, um, and trying to get away with it, and. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, and then I, I really liked the ending. It, I see what you're saying, Matt. It does feel a little bit like kind of predictable. It's almost like an easy ending. But I yes, wouldn't say yeah. that it's not brave because I think if you are a deaf person watching this movie, then um, you would you would come away from that feeling like the main character, you know, make some brave decisions or uh i think it would be um i don't think it would be perceived as not a brave ending if you were a deaf person it's totally and like i agree with that aspect of it more so 
with me where I'm coming from with that statement is that it's very much set up earlier in the film when they have that long conversation and the exercise about just sitting in the silence Mm -hmm. and all Mm -hmm. this to then end the movie like that. Like that's a very kind of screenwriting 101 trick, right? You know what I mean? So like to, to end it and there's not, there's really not any closure with that character and not that there needs to be, but it's like, it's a heartwarming ending. And I do think as far as, um, the way that it handles the character's deafness and what that community does for him. Um, I think that stuff is good for representation. And I do think that that stuff was solid. It just felt a little, a little expected and maybe a little cheap's not the right word, but easy. I think you said easy. It it felt a little Mm -hmm. too easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, we're all going to go watch Whiplash now, right? <laughs> I've been dying for a rewatch of that thing, dude. <laughs> we didn't get what we wanted, so we have to go watch Whiplash. Yeah, yeah. I needed about ten times more drumming in this movie. Um. I, I actually... Um, the Another thing I thought, uh, or that I liked about the movie was I, I, I felt like the character choices throughout the movie were totally justifiable the whole way through. I felt like they did enough. Um, they they constructed the characters well enough um, without like, you know, spelling it out for you uh, too plainly to uh, to put them all on the paths that they go on. And so uh, I don't know. Nothing about that felt contrived to me. Yeah. I, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I, I was gonna say I I did have a, a small issue with. Um, I, I'm trying not to be too specific because I don't want to spoil anything, but um, the surgery that uh, Riz Ahmed's character wants to get is very, very expensive. And the way that they handle um, that aspect of the film, I thought was a little rushed and a little like, eh, like uh, maybe you should second get you know think about what you're doing before you do it like i get that the whole point is that his character was in denial and that he just felt that if he could get his hearing back that he could return to some sort of normalcy and save his relationship and all this stuff there's a lot of things kind of swirling around in this pot right but i don't know it felt a little rushed to me how quickly he again i feel like i'm saying too much but how rash he was in his thinking yes and also just the logistics of it like Ah. being able like the sum of money that he needed and i don't know even he didn't ask any questions about the surgery itself so like it makes sense after the fact that yeah yeah i I feel like i've already said too much but you you know what i'm trying to say yeah 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 i i do i do i think there are things that um you you can see coming if you're a person who would ask questions before you got a surgery (laughs) (laughs) right um yeah i was just gonna say that there's not really any scene that stands out to me like maybe some of the exchanges between um the guy at the rehab place or like olivia cook like those scenes were good but beyond that like there's not really any scene that really stood out to me that kind of made the movie um and i don't know i just don't really care where it's decided to spend 
the majority of its time. And I know I already kind of said that, but like, I kind of wish it would have been like, it, it feels like a, a mix mash of, or mishmash, whatever, of um, a few different movies. Like, it kind of felt like her smell to a degree, but it didn't feel as self-destructive as that one. And that one definitely had a more musical presence, like, that actually spent more time on the performances and the actual music that is part of her life and career. And then it wasn't, it was kind of like The Wrestler in a way where, you know, and another like kind of self-destructive movie but it didn't really lean into that as much it just i don't know i think i was really disappointed with the the middle of the movie but i think the beginning and end were pretty strong yeah i think i think her smell is actually a really good comparison because like it's no secret that i fucking love that movie but that movie is broken up into five parts and the quiet part is the fourth part right so it's like the movie is so chaotic and there's so much destruction that by the time that fourth part comes, it's so reserved and emotionally raw and honest that it, it, it made it so much more impactful. Whereas as the second act of a film, the part of sound of metal that was supposed to be the most impactful, I think, and the most uh, moving ended up just kind of feeling like, it was just part of his journey to connect part one to part three. You know what I mean? Like it didn't really feel like it was serving the movie so much as it was serving the character to set him up for his dark night of the soul, as they say. Right. You know, and the choices that he ends up making. And I think that's part of the reason why I was a little underwhelmed having that whole middle act be, about this deaf community not that i dislike that section it just i don't know does it am i making sense does that make sense you make sense i just i just don't agree sure i like <laughs> i like the second part i thought that was um it, i mean it depends like you could either say that uh the second part is what connects the first part and the third part or you could say the third part is what reconnects you to the second part you know what i mean like that's what Sure. Gets you back to that place. So, and there's progress. Even the second act is kind of broken into two pieces as well. Um, oh, sure. And I love, I love that stuff. Like his, his apprehension and him leaving. And ultimately there's a blowout between uh, Ruben and Lou that, you know, he go he, she basically gives him an ultimatum, right. And he, he goes back to the house, but um Circling back to what Travis had said about standout scenes, I do think there was one, for me yeah. anyway. And, well, Tom, let me know if you're thinking of the same scene. But it's the scene basically at the very end where Lou and, and uh, Ruben are talking and Ruben says, uh, it's okay or something, you know? And oh, then she's like, that's a what, good are you, one. what are you talking about? And he's like, no, it's it's okay. Like, that, that scene and the, their emotions and, like, the acting in that scene, the that just resonated with me. Like that's my kind of shit, right? Like a, a character, like basically coming to a realization that something's not going to work and just being, uh, calm about it. You know, like that's the, that, that was like a quietly devastating moment for me the, that I thought was very impactful. The one for me is, is, uh, Riz with the guy who runs the, uh, the community. 
Oh, the um, the second time, right? Like the last time mm-hmm. we see his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was also excellent. He, the, whoever that guy is, Paul Racy, Ricci, whatever, he is honestly like the the star of the film in a way. Like obviously, Riz Ahmed is amazing, but just his character is just so kind and and interesting, and just he has such a a presence about him as an actor. You know what I mean? Like he's perfect for that role. Cause he's like cool, but you know, he's strict. Isn't the right word, but he, he, he knows how to help people individually. You know what well, I mean? He seems like, like he's he, seen some shit. Like he yeah. has a, he has a really good blend of um, uh, like supportiveness and also practicality yeah. in his character, which I think is something you probably need to run a place like that. For sure. Um, yeah, he else? has like no credits to his name, especially in film. It looks like he's mostly a TV actor. I assume he's going to get some roles uh, in the future, though, from this. So it's it's cool to see him, you know, get discovered basically through this movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tom, you watch Baskets, don't you? Oh, we did for a while. He's yeah. in. He's in Baskets. This guy is in Baskets. From the beginning? Uh, no, no, he's in one episode. Never mind. Oh, he plays okay. Peter. <laughs> he plays Peter Gabriel's drummer. <laughs> All right, Baskets is a kooky show. Yeah, he's been in like a couple TV episodes. This is his first. He was even in Parks and Rec. He played mm-hmm. played some guy named Eugene. Hmm. Anyway, the part. He, um, he was great. One last thing I'll say is um, I do think, I mean, I know we've already praised Riz Ahmed, but just like his dedication to the role, like I read, I mean, and you can see it in the movie, but he learned to play the drums, which is evident in the movie, and then also him learning sign language uh, as well. So um, definitely seems like he did his homework for the role, which is cool. Yeah. he, he It just felt lived in the the performance mm-hmm. it yeah. felt believable yeah for sure I, I think that's the strength of the movie I, I think all of the performances or at least of the the three kind of major characters definitely felt like complete characters i just kind of wish some of the stuff surrounding their characters more metal yeah more metal dude what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> um cool tom anything else before we give star ratings no i'm good all right, uh, I'm giving this one a four out of five. Me too. Four and a half. Mm. That's what I figured. Cool. Well, another solid one for 2020 coming up to the end of the year. We got some more coming. Mank is up next. I uh, b- believe we can find a clip. Uh, let's go ahead and listen in. Put aside gratitude, Mank, that you've done your best work was no accident. I removed any distraction, eliminated every excuse. Your family, your cronies, liquor, I gave you a second chance. And for that, I cannot thank you enough. But with credit for a risky undertaking must go the weight of real responsibility. Given your current health, I wonder if you're up to it. And frankly, I wonder too, but we're fine now. You may never work in this town again, Mank. (laughs) Orson, please. Then you force me to remind you! 
We have a contract that you understood and agreed to. If you fight this, it will go to what your new guild calls arbitration, and you, my friend, will lose. Script, money, and assuming such a thing still exists in Hollywood, the respect of those who honor their word. How can I put this nicely? I may be a loose cannon, but you, my friend, are an outsider. All right, Mank is the latest film from director David Fincher, the man, the myth, the legend, written by his father, Jack Fincher. Plot synopsis reads, 1930s Hollywood is reevaluated through the eyes of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane. Film stars Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, uh, other jabronis. Mank, highly anticipated Netflix original film. Um, I'll go first on this one. Big fan of the Fincher. Um, I have seen all of his movies except the game. I, I've not actually seen the game. That's the only one. Uh, having said that, Mank is i think fincher's worst film i i don't know what the fucking point of this movie is because it's not like i i I honestly don't know what this movie is going for because it's not a historical biopic right and it doesn't have to be like the social network is not actually rooted that much in the truth Right. So that's that's not that much of an issue. This movie is not doing that. Like apparently there's like 300 pages of correspondence between Mankiewicz and Orson Welles. Like this screenplay is based on some sort of essay, I think, that somebody wrote about Mankiewicz and it's been debunked and there's just not a whole lot of truth to it. So it's not that right, which is fine. It doesn't have to be. And as a biopic, it's pretty run-of-the-mill like the all the story beats kind of mimic everything you would expect from a biopic so it's a very generic kind of standard one of those and it's not interesting like i'm curious to see where you landed on this travis but i was fucking bored watching this movie like i am fucking flummoxed (laughs) by all the people who love this movie so much like some people think this is fincher's best film like i I'm That's sorry. Crazy. I love Fincher, but I was bored out of my mind. Like it doesn't make sense. Like it's hard to follow. There's a lot of assumed knowledge of Citizen Kane that is I won't say required of the viewer, but definitely would help illuminate some of these references and some of these characters, but it's like so dull. And what the fuck is 62-year-old Gary Oldman doing playing a character that was 40 when he wrote Citizen Kane? Like, I'm sorry. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, Gary Oldman is, like, so woefully miscast in this movie. Like, I don't understand why he got cast. They don't. They barely even try and put any, like, de-aging makeup on him. You know what I mean? Like... I was very frustrated by that aspect of it, but, and I'll get into some of the more technical aspects in a bit, but, um, Travis, I'm curious where you landed on this thing. Um, well, I don't know if I am as vocal about it as you are, but I very 
like middle of the road for me. Um, not a bad movie, not a great movie. Um, I too had a hard time staying engaged and following it just because of the way the movie is structured. Um, and yeah, I don't really get the point of it either. Cause part of it feels like it's just trying to be an old movie and every prestige filmmaker wants to do some sort of movie like this at some point in their future or in their career. Um, so as like a love letter, I guess it's a love letter to old Hollywood and his dad and Citizen Kane. Part of it almost feels like a remake of Citizen Kane or like the B side of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the plot itself didn't really feel like it went anywhere. And there wasn't really a takeaway scene for me in this one either. I enjoyed... Gary Oldman's performance, um, just him being Gary Oldman, but um, yeah, it is kind of, I didn't realize that Herman Mankiewicz was in his 40s when he was writing Citizen Kane, so that's kind of odd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't really know how to feel about this. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I feel like I maybe should have done a little bit more homework in regards to uh, rewatching Citizen Kane and familiarizing myself with some of the characters in this and just the history of it all. But yeah, pretty middle of the road for me. Um, I'm not sure if I was super excited about it just because of what it was. Um, but I would say I'm more so disappointed than, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was a disappointment. It's, so, um, that was another thing. So the movie, I guess, could just be a, an homage, a love letter to the golden age of cinema, right? But the, I think the movie kind of looks like shit. Like, it's in black and white, but <laughs> Fincher didn't do anything to actually make it look like a movie of that time. Like, the lighting is horrible. There's constantly people's faces in shadow that don't seem to be by design. Because you can do, you know, it's not going for that, like, chiaroscuro, like, film noir vibe of, like, harsh, harsh shadows on people's faces. It's just kind of dark in places and too bright in others. It's like he decided to make a movie in black and white of this time in Hollywood's early era, like talkies had just become a thing and it just seems uninspired. It doesn't seem like he really did anything to actually emulate the films of that day other than just fucking film in black and white and let the cameras well, roll. Other than his dad getting a, a writing screen credit or, you know, being a part of this story in any sort of capacity, it's, it doesn't really make sense for David Fincher to make this type of movie just because I'm sure he's, you know, he has a affinity for old Hollywood, but all of his movies are like, they're always embracing like digital technology. And um, I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like a movie that he would make. It would, it would make more sense for like Scorsese or Paul Thomas Anderson, or even like Quentin Tarantino to do something like this. But it just doesn't make sense for David Fincher to take something like this on. But I guess if it was to 
kind of pay homage to his dad, then I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it just it doesn't feel like a David Fincher film. Like there no. there's one <laughs> sequence towards the end. It's basically the only sequence that stands out from the others. It's like a kind of a montage sequence of people drinking and the the image is like kind of blurry and there's some sort of weird distortion happening. It's almost like a fever dream sequence or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That was the only scene where I was like, okay, this is something cool. It's not something that you would probably see in a movie of that time, but at least it's doing something interesting. Like, I was just so bored by the visuals in this movie throughout so much of it. And there's this, like, rapid-fire dialogue that just is constantly happening in this movie. And usually I like that kind of thing, but they're not fucking talking about anything I care about. Like I was just so (laughs) detached from what was happening in the movie, you know, like I could not give two shits about what was happening in this movie. And I love citizen Kane. Like it's not that, like I think citizen Kane is a masterpiece and I think it deserves every piece of praise that's bestowed upon it. But make is longer than fucking citizen Kane. Like it, is blong, boring, and just totally uninteresting to me. And I was very, very caught off guard by just kind of how much of a mess I found the film to be. Yeah, I would agree with that. Outside uh, of that, I don't have a ton more to say. I was very, very disappointed. I, I love Fincher. Um, not that I was like dying to see this thing, kind of what you said, Travis, like the subject mm-hmm. matter. I was like, yeah, you know, it could be good, but... It's not something that I'm going to be like, you know, dying to see, but I was excited and uh, early, early reviews were very, very glowing. Um, Again, just (laughs) don't have no idea where people are coming from on that front, but um, underwhelmed, disappointed. One of the worst films of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't really have too much else to say. I was pretty disappointed and bored by it myself all right should we call it good i mean i don't we don't need to spend any more time on this piece of shit call it fincher's a hack he's going to director jail (laughs) (laughs) i'll be interested when uh we get uh the wrestler two i'll be back on board (laughs) um all right what did you end up uh rating this thing uh i didn't really know where to go with my rating on this one um i think i'm just gonna fall right in the middle three stars technically 2.5 is right in the middle well eh, depends on how you look at it (laughs) uh i'm going a two two out of five ouch among the worst films of 2020 not as bad as fantasy island or the gentleman but (laughs) it's a step above those all right. Well, that's going to do it for Mank. We got one more featured review here. We're going to be talking about Hulu's run. Uh, we have another clip. Let's go ahead and listen. Well, what about... I mean, Chloe is... Smart? Brave? faced more emotional and physical challenges from the moment she was born than most adults ever will. Chloe is the most capable person I know. If there's someone to not worry about, 
it's her. All right, so Run is a horror thriller film, I guess, streaming on Hulu, written and directed by Anish Chaganti, who I think this is this is the guy who did Searching, I think, mm-hmm. right? That's yep. his his pedigree. Um, so Run uh, plot synopsis is a homeschooled teacher begins to suspect her mother is keeping a dark secret from her. Film stars Sarah Paulson, Kira Allen. Uh, it's basically it. Pat Healy's in this movie too. I like him. We can come back to him. So run. This is one of those uh, fucked up mom. Uh, what's going on? Who's the real monster? You know, kind of <laughs> kind of films that we've been getting a lot of. I mean, between the act. Um, which is another Hulu thing to all those Hallmark movies, not Hallmark, Lifetime movies about it. it it's kind of a Munchausen by proxy film in a sense, but it's one of those, right? A mom, daughter, what the fuck is going on? Thriller. And um, I thought it was pretty good. I don't know. Did you guys like it? Uh, It was solid, I guess. It was. I thought it was very- dumb. Very middle of the road for me. <laughs> yeah, it it is. It gets pretty dumb. I was on board with the first half, and then the second half is when it really kind of ups the ante uh, and becomes more stupid. That's when it started mm-hmm. to lose me. But I was I mildly entertained in the second half, or just in general, like generally. Speaking? Just in general, it was a mildly entertaining, dumb movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's fast paced and it is dumb, <laughs> but. I don't know. I thought there was some pretty good tension in the first half, but once it kind of became a like really unhinged kind of off the rails movie, that's when it started to get a little bit more predictable and and silly. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Some of the early mystery stuff I thought was pretty well done and, and was intriguing. Yeah. I mean, I was telling Sarah about this because she liked the movie more than I did. And, um, uh, you know, for what it's worth, if Tess and Shay are listening, one of us liked it, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think for me there were just so many little like character choices or convenient things that happened that I just found so ridiculous, and they took me out of the movie. And I, I just feel like if they had been better executed on it, could have been a much better movie. Um, I thought the the main the main actress was um, she was good. Yeah, I thought Sarah Paulson was really good too. I thought they were. With what they were given, I thought they did a pretty good job. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get annoyed with Sarah Paulson the way that you guys have already been annoyed with her. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just the exposure to her and the types of roles that she keeps playing. But um, for some reason, I was kind of bugged by her in this movie. She's been doing a lot of these types of roles. Um, I mean, she was... I haven't seen Ratched, but I think similar vibes in Ratched. Mm-hmm. There was something else. She was in Blue Jay though, and I thought Blue Jay was pretty, pretty excellent. And yeah, Blue Jay was really good. Yeah, something a little different for her. Um, what else? Was she? Oh yeah, she was in Glass, right? Uh, I didn't see Glass. Oh, remember? Yeah. You fake watched <laughs> it. You fuck. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she she's been in a lot. I mean, she was in she was in Twelve Years a Slave. Um, 
I think she was in Carol. She's not like one of the main characters in Carol, but she's in a lot of TV over the past couple of years. I think she's in uh, every season of American Horror Story, I think. I know she's a big part of that series. Yeah, I don't know if she's in all of them, but she's definitely all over that fucking show. Um, I, I, I pulled up her... Uh, her uh, filmography here. Oh, she was in the Goldfinch. Did either of you guys ever catch up with that one? Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah. It's probably the right choice. Um, <laughs> let's see. She's she she fucking works. She's been in a lot of movies. Oh, she was in Mud. She was the mom in Mud. Mm. Martha Marcy May Marlene. Fucking. Oh yeah, she plays the hey. Elizabeth Olsen's uh, sister in that. Sister. Older sister. The one who like takes her in. Oh, like introduces her to the the cult or whatever. No, that's the no? like people she stays with when yeah, she escapes they cult? the cult. No, oh, when she escapes, dude, I haven't seen that movie in like ten years. I don't Come know, on, dude. The movie's a fucking classic. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it every six months. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, what else? What did you guys, uh, Tom? I'm a little curious why uh, you were uh, so sour on this one. Just uh, turned off by the silliness. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just like from the get go, I was I was off put by this movie. Um, Didn't it seem kind of obvious where it was going? Even yeah. though yeah, it was. It seems so obvious surprising. that I thought it was that I thought it was a uh, <laughs> like I was waiting for a twist, you know? Because I was like yeah. so obvious that something's wrong with oh a twist after the reveal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if people. Um, Maybe people get into this movie because it's sort of like the stuck in the house kind of horror thing, and it's quarantine and everything. But uh, yeah, like, I mean, okay. it has vibes of other movies like Misery or what's that other movie of someone stuck in a house against their will? I don't know. Every horror, extent. every home invasion horror movie. <laughs> um, Hush. <laughs> this kind of had Hush vibes for me. I was like, if this is like Hush, I'm gonna hate it. That's <laughs> just a little bit more immediate, though, with its horror. Yeah. Um, they, so, the brief spoiler. This will take me 10 seconds. This girl needs to go down a chair every day, like an uh, electric chair down the stairs. Mm-hmm. It bears her weight plus her wheelchair every damn day. And then one time she's she has her body weight on it and it collapses. And I'm just like, what? This industrial steel thing that is built for this purpose just snaps at this one moment. I'm I'm just I was rolling my eyes. Because like you can't just come up with another way to have her fall down the stairs, you know? It has to be like something that would never break breaking. I I don't get it. Yeah, that that was that type of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that stuff was frustrating, but I ultimately enjoyed the movie quite a bit because of scenes like where they go to the movie theater and she sneaks out and she goes to the pharmacy and there's like a whole suspenseful conversation about like, oh, no, I know why. It's because this is I almost said I almost spoiled it. But you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. those moments I thought were. Uh, fun and they were suspenseful like all that stuff in the first half was i thought was good like well good's not the right word entertaining (laughs) i will say yeah i mean some of those scenes were 
decent or you know had some sort of tension to them but a lot of them felt really convenient for like the plot purpose or just like silly um for example her just calling random numbers to try and get information (laughs) that seems not very plausible and then like her run-in with the male guy seemed sort of implausible oh my gosh the The male guy yeah and then the the whole theater pharmacy scene that just felt kind of clunky in a way i don't know it it just seemed like the movie would keep getting itself into these scenarios to like try and build tension or to keep the story going but they just felt too familiar like or too similar from one another and then also just felt too convenient as well and i i think it's a like a solid thriller and it's it's entertaining to a degree, but it is kind of silly and corny. And if if you watch a lot of movies, I feel like you won't really feel like you've seen anything new here. I I think that's what I liked about it was the kind of trashy like B movie vibes through a lot of it. It gets a little too over the top in the second half, but even in the second half, I was still invested in the sense of i was like well how the fuck is she gonna get out of this one you know like it just gets like progressively crazier and you're like what the fuck is she gonna do and yeah that also with that comes increasingly implausible scenarios that they find up that they you know they end up getting into like especially once they get to the hospital and the stuff that happens like at the hospital and after the <laughs> hospital, I was like, okay, we're really fucking stretching it now, aren't we? But <laughs> it was entertaining. I don't know. I, I I thought it was a it was a solid, trashy thriller that I had a good time watching and was frustrated by it. But I, I don't know. Well, I don't think this was movie. I, I don't think this movie was trying to be anything other than what it is, which is just a kind of schlocky thriller yeah the i think it's too oh sorry go ahead travis oh no no go ahead I'll, I'll save mine after just the very end i won't spoil it but i think we all remember what happens at the very very end was just <laughs> like one last little like it was almost i laughed out loud <laughs> at how stupid it was <laughs> yeah that was pretty there. bad that was pretty bad <laughs> just like one last ball dropped before before this thing finally that does play into the whole Finale. campiness of it and yeah the trashiness of it which i guess you can appreciate but i was just like why just why just end the movie yeah <laughs> i don't know like i'm pretty sure when that happened and the, it, it like cut to black i'm pretty sure i audibly went oh my god are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> i think that was my reaction which is uh-huh. <laughs> you know it's just so dumb but yeah i don't know it this was a, fu- it's, you know, it's fucking, it's 90 minutes and it's just silly. This is definitely a quarantine movie in that you can just turn your brain off. Sarah Paulson does her thing. Like it's, if you don't think too hard, it's not that bad. Kind well, of it's thing, funny. Right? What, what I was going to say is that I would probably recommend this to, you know, any average Joe or anyone at the Thanksgiving dinner, but I probably wouldn't recommend it to you guys (laughs) yeah yeah i mean if this was if we were doing this in the what we've been watching section i would have been like yeah i had a good time but you guys can skip this one 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think we all probably, well, Tom would have been like, this was a piece of shit. Don't waste <laughs> your time. But, <laughs> but you know. No, no, I don't think it's a waste of time, but it's it's just, you know, it's there. It exists. It's, <laughs> it's calories. It. <laughs> it's just fucking calories, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't think it was a waste of time, but if you're a person who watches maybe one movie a week, which is what I am, then don't wait. Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. It's day old bread. Yeah. All right. Not completely useless, but <laughs> not appealing to most as is. All right. Anything else on run? No. All right. Star ratings? Going three again. I uh, I went three and a half on this one. Two and a half. Boom. There you go. I thought you were going to go like at least a two, Tom. No, I mean, I didn't hate it. I just <laughs> could, could do worse. I was annoyed by <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. It's better, than, it's better than Hush. I don't remember what I gave Hush. Oh, oh, Hush, Hush is, is great. You guys are. What? No. <laughs> no, I didn't rate it. I like Hush. But my review of it would be similar <laughs> to uh, Matt's review of Run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into what we've been watching. Uh, I have quite a bit. I'm not going to talk about all of it, but where are you guys at? Have you done much uh, much watching over the past couple weeks here? A mm. couple things. A couple things. Not. I mean, yeah, most of the stuff isn't really worth talking about. Um, or you know rewatches, but yeah, I have a few things. All right. Well, let me let me do a couple. You guys can go, and then I'll close, and then we'll call it good. How's that? It's great. Right. All right. So I finally caught up with Justice League, the DC uh, fucking extravaganza with the whole team up and at them. Um, it was bad. It was not as bad as Batman versus Superman, uh, but not good. So Poor. did you did you get in this watch before the Snyder Cut on purpose? Do you have uh, intentions of watching the Snyder Cut when it releases? I uh, refused to watch the Snyder Cut on <laughs> principle. <laughs> so if I was going to watch it, I was going to watch the theatrical piece of shit. Oh, my God. And it was, you know, there's as a superhero fan, especially as a Batman and Superman fan, like I am, there were enjoyable moments to be had in this film. But it's very rushed like the whole assembly of the team part takes like 20 minutes and I fucking hate uh I can't even remember his name Ezra uh Miller Ezra Miller the guy who plays Flash I fucking hate that kid I can't canceled right I can't look at him is he canceled (laughs) I think he's canceled oh well good (laughs) uh he's I just can't fucking look at that guy he gives me the heebie-jeebies and I just don't think he's a good actor so he was bad uh um what's the fucking guy's name not cyber um the robot guy Cyborg. Cyborg. Cyborg was good. They're kind of a wasted opportunity. There was more they could have done with his character. So that was kind of frustrating. But um, some cool action sequences. Like I liked the spectacle of it in some places. But it also has that like really corny 
Zack Snyder DC movie, like Dragon Ball Z type fighting that is just kind of silly to watch and just kind of a CG mess. Oh, and the mustache, Henry Cavill's CG removal mm. mustache. It looks like hot dog garbage. Is it, it very is obvious? So, <laughs> so bad. I feel like half the time we see Superman in this movie, it's they had to they had to have reshot it because it looks really fucking bad, really stiff, and you can tell immediately. Like you know when it was a reshoot because you just look at his face and you're like, what? the fuck is happening to your mouth dude like it's rough that's Um, unfortunate could have been worse not the worst thing i've ever seen but you know ever since the christopher nolan batman trilogy came to an end uh it's been it's been rough for the big uh tentpole dc movies i mean obviously wonder woman on wonder woman was good uh birds of prey see i haven't watched it yet i know i haven't watched it yet but birds of prey was good uh but man of steel batman versus superman justice league garbage i did actually just rewatch birds of prey last night because uh i got the 4k for pretty cheap over well it was before black friday but um yeah it's a solid movie it just um i don't know the plot and the villain are kind of lackluster. Yeah. But it's, it's a fun movie. Yeah. I, li- I like that movie a lot. That, that that movie is a good time. One, one of the better films of the year. Justice sure. League is not. Boom. Justice League sucks. Next review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fuck Justice League. Um, rewatch 16 Candles with Haley. That was her pick. Fun stuff. Um, 16 Candles is good. Um, pretty homophobic. And uh, <laughs> definitely does not age well in some places, but the core, the I core story, that. the core experience, still pretty good. I like Sixteen Candles a fair bit. Um, that was uh, in the rotation when I was younger because it was one of my grandma's favorite movies, so we'd always watch it over there. Really? See, I didn't mm-hmm. see Sixteen Candles until I was an adult. I was probably like twenty four, twenty five the first time I saw Sixteen Candles. Mm. So, um, oh, it's yeah, still no, good we were, we were quoting it like crazy back when we were 12. <laughs> yeah. It was P- rated PG, but did have a couple shots of the nips. So that was cool. Yeah. Back in the heyday, <laughs> the good days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 16 Candles is good. Um, I rewatched Cold War. I'm not going to say anything other than you guys have to watch it. And it's the best film of the 2010s, bar none. Is it's that? Amazing. That's. That was not hyperbole. That's not hyperbole. I legitimately think it's the best film of the 2010s. So if, if we were to do that episode again, you would put this at number one. Yes, I would. Holy cow. <laughs> and you didn't even watch it the year it came out. Nope. What a what a poser. I know, dude. I, <laughs> fucked, I fucked myself. You had every chance and opportunity to watch it. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, uh, but that's, that's a good... Uh, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to watch it. You know what? I think I actually blind bought it on Criterion, and it just hasn't gotten to my house yet. Really? Like I said, I have been, well, not just 4Ks, but I have been buying some physical releases lately. Well, to be honest, not to digress too much, but uh, Amazon actually had a bunch of, so they already had all their, well, all or most of their Criterions discounted to the $20 mark. But then in addition to that, I, Amazon was running some coupons where 
on select ones, they'd have like a three to five dollar off coupon. And I think Cold War was one of them that had like four dollars off. So I got it for like 16 bucks. And I thought that's the cheapest I'm ever going to get this criterion. So I got to do it. So, Matt, you saying that it's the best film of the 2010s makes me feel like I uh, made the right move, adding it to my collection. It's I, I think you will really like it. I don't know if you'll like it as much as me, but um, I, th- I do think you'll really like it. That was a smart buy. Seems like a good one for me to watch with Sarah. Yes. Um, although... It is black and white, and it is in subtitles. I don't know if Sarah cares about either of those. But it is very short. Yeah, it's like 88 minutes or something like that. It's basically a Polish-American idol uh, meets meets Shakespeare. (laughs) That's how I will describe Cold War. Okay. I feel like you're leaving out, I don't know, the soviet union or something i mean there's that <laughs> aspect of it too but really like the plot of the movie is that uh she gets discovered as part of like a, you know it's, it's right after world war ii and uh everyone's very nationalist so poland wants to you know be on the world stage so they're looking for like the the homegrown talent so it's literally like uh, they go around to villages in in poland and look for singers and that's how she gets discovered. And yeah, she falls so, in love with a guy and then that's the movie. It just goes from there. Did you rewatch this so quickly just because it's so good or? Yes. I know you, didn't you recently watch this like less than a year ago? Yeah, it was this year. It was a 20, it was like beginning of the pandemic or maybe right mm. before the pandemic. Um, I watched it and yeah, I just, I've been dying for a rewatch. I wanted to watch it with Haley and I finally convinced her. So she liked it. I think she gave it like a, like a four. She didn't love it as much as me, but um, I see. Okay. Yeah, it's very good. I honestly, uh, I have not. I own the Criterion, and I didn't watch it. I watched the UHD version on yeah. uh, uh, Amazon. So interesting. Qu- quality wise, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know Blu-ray versus streaming 4K. What's better? But just the sheer convenience factor. I watched it on Amazon again. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure that quality check out for us and report back. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> um, I'll do one more and then I'll let you guys go. What do we got here? Uh, 13 Ghosts. Did you guys ever watch that Classic. movie? Mm, Classic. No, that fucking movie. Uh, it is so stupid. But honestly, like, that movie is completely unhinged. Like, it is so bonkers that I am kind of amazed that it even got made. But, like, the set designs in that movie are remarkable. Like... Sheer entertainment factor through the charts, through the charts, off the charts. Um, <laughs> just so fucking absurd and silly and really bad, honestly, but very enjoyable. I rated it like a three. Um, I watched it with Haley and I think her mom was there too. Yeah, I think her mom was there too. Um, just fucking nuts. That movie Who's is the else. notable actress in that. Notable actress in that, uh, Shannon Elizabeth, isn't it? Mm, okay. And um, are you talking about the original or the remake? There's an original. 
Yeah, I think there's, there's a, a remake. 1960. <laughs> I'm talking 1960. Thirteen Ghosts. No, I'm talking the 2001. Yeah. Thirteen Ghosts with Tony with Monk, Tony Shalhoub, mm-hmm. and uh, Matthew Lillard is in it. It's not a good movie, but I had a blast with it. It's really stupid. It, it's it's the perfect kind of late '90s horror kind of campy trash stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. I had a good time with it. Worth watching <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing. I haven't seen it since it hit video back in the day. Yeah, I re- I don't know if I saw all of it back in the day, but I know I had seen parts of it because there were like two of the thirteen ghosts that I remembered pretty well. <laughs> um, some pretty good kills. Too. They show all thirteen of them, eh? Yeah, dude. There's a fucking <laughs> multiple times. There's multiple like montage sequences where they like recap the ghosts. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, that's it for me for now. I can wrap up at the end. Who's going first? Tom, go ahead. Uh, okay. Well, I finished my Rome, my ancient Rome podcast finally. Uh, oh, yeah. 160 something episodes. So I was craving some more Rome content. I started the Barbarians on Netflix. It's terrible. Could not continue with it. <laughs> um, I am on episode two of Blood of Zeus, that like Netflix anime show that uh, just came out. It's okay. What are you doing to yourself? I'll watch a little what bit more and see things? if it's any good. <laughs> Speak yeah, up. what the fuck? <laughs> You're digging I don't deep. know. It just pops up, man. It just pops up on Netflix for me. Blood of Zeus. Check it out. Um, <laughs> watched uh, the newest season of The Great British Baking Show. It's still a great show, but uh, kind of a weak, a weak class of bakers this year. Yeah, I think you had mentioned that. I remember you saying that there's a... There's nobody. The talent is a little, mm-hmm. uh, little weak yeah. on the new season. It's a little weak. I also watched an episode of uh, What We Do in the Shadows of the TV Show. Sarah and I have just been like oh, yeah. hunting for a new TV show, and uh, it was it was fine, but we didn't really like care to continue with it after the first episode. Um, I don't know. Just felt like a treading old water. I'd rather just rewatch the movie. It's so good. It gets better. I don't remember how good the pilot is because uh, it, it's the been the best a while, part is but... the energy, the energy vampire. Oh, <laughs> him? Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. They do some really good stuff with his character. Just uh, th- that's a show that's worth sticking with. I don't okay. know if she has any interest, but they, the, the, especially in season two, they kind of figure out what to do with the characters. Not that mm. the first season isn't good. Like, I really like the first season, but they really kind of come into their own with, like, the, uh, you you have to see it through. Even if you do it without Sarah, both of you guys have to see it's either the finale or it's the penultimate episode of season one, but it involves a vampire council with multiple famous vampires from other properties <laughs> and you have to watch it <laughs> okay all right it's so good i i might i might uh, put it on again uh yeah n- nothing else really we did um so i was telling you guys before we started recording sarah and i watched the pilot or the the first episode for the undoing together mm-hmm. and i was so mad about how bad that show was just like complaining nonstop <laughs> throughout the whole episode uh, apparently sarah watched the whole thing without me and then like i walked in and she was halfway through the finale and i was like what you carried on with this piece of shit 
<laughs> anyway, I sat down and watched the rest of the finale with her, but man, that show is bad. It's like a hack version of Big Little Lies. It's just, there are these scenes that you will laugh at because they're, they're so poorly done. Did Sarah like it? Did Sarah think it was a good show or was she watching it for like the trash factor? Trash factor. Yeah. Okay. She was just like, she was too deep into it. She needed to know the answer. Huh. Cause it's a, you know, it's a murder mystery. Right. Right. Interesting. Oh, I watched the queen's gambit. Did I, I didn't talk about that last time. Did I? Did I talk I about can't it? Remember. You did. Yeah. I think you Tom did. I, although I don't know if you had finished it yet. Last time we talked, have you finished okay. it since? Yeah, Queen Gambit rules. I I lo- I thought it was great. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, in a year that was a little bit weak on content, it's it's one of the best. Yeah, it's like seven episodes, and I was really invested in the chess aspect of it. Like they found mm-hmm. a way to make chess matches riveting like the way it's filmed and just the, yeah. the presentation and her character growth and kind of the vices that she has to deal with like i got kind of emotional too towards the end of the show like the the last episode or two i mm-hmm. thought there were some pretty uh emotional uh story beats that i thought worked really well and anya taylor joy is just a pleasure to watch on screen she's the best i love her she's fantastic yeah I uh, we we like that show a lot. Yeah, highly recommended. Um, not much to say, but I thought it was fantastic. Maybe I will watch it since you guys are uh, praising it. Well, speaking of uh, watching it, what have you been watching, Travis? Um. Well, speaking of TV, I did finish. I know this much is true. Recently, the oh, Mark yeah. Ruffalo HBO drama. Directed by, well, yeah, I think he directed all of it. Derek C. in France, mm-hmm. the guy we talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, loved it. Liked it a lot. Probably one of the best things I've watched this year. Don't know if I could really consider it a movie because it's a six-part limited series thing on HBO. <laughs> Don't know if I could consider it a movie because it's a TV show, but... <laughs> Well, it's a standalone story, and the the definition of a TV show and a movie are um, being tested these days. So increasingly, yeah, for sure. I don't know when the uh, the time will come where we start considering these things movies, but I feel like there's a chance it could come. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, um, I know what you mean. But anyways, one of the best things I've watched this year. Uh, it's very sad. It seems like things just get worse and worse for the characters as the episodes go on. <laughs> See, that uh, sounds crazy to me because I, I watched probably the first half of the first episode. And I was like, what the fuck? This show got real dark real fast. And for you to say that it, like, it just gets worse for them after. I well, mean, yeah, no, it does. It does hit a low probably in like episodes three and four and then five and six or more, you know, like reconciliation or sure. ending the story. But it, no, the first episode is not 
the worst to come. So <laughs> I need to pick it back up. That that's a show that I have been putting on like late at night when I don't want to go to bed. Mm. But and I just like either start to fall asleep or it's just not the right time. I gotta find the yeah. right time to watch it. I had I mean I did really enjoy it, but I did kind of have to power through it just because I I'm I'm not really in the mood to watch something like this very often especially sure. during these times um because it yeah it is difficult to watch but like the story is amazing the performances are amazing the way mark ruffalo plays the two characters is quite an achievement um i believe it was shot on film so it it looks really good the score i don't really know what kind of music to call it it's kind of all over the place but i really liked the music in it as well um it's mainly just about the the two brothers though and their family and just kind of dealing with the family drama and just life itself but like the the main brother the one who doesn't suffer from schizophrenia um a lot of the burden is on him and a lot of the story focuses on him and yeah, it's just about how you kind of carry like the family drama and you can kind of deal with it two ways in like a self-destructive manner and you, you like use that for the reason for, you know, why your life sucks and why everything sucks or you try and push beyond that and you know, there's like a sense of hopefulness. So I think you guys would both really like it. Um, like I said, it is tough to watch at times, but it's really well done. And I would like to see uh, Derek C. and France get back to movie making because it's been a while since uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, are you, you're forgetting the light between oceans, bro. Oh, yeah. I don't know why, but that movie just completely escaped me i love that movie (laughs) didn't see it when it came out and whenever i think of him in his last movie i always think place beyond the pines (laughs) did you see it though did you see uh no i still haven't seen it people nobody doesn't exist nobody talks about it anymore but i i think that movie is great i loved it then i've only seen it the one time but i need to catch up with that yeah dude but yeah i think he's just a good storyteller especially when it's dealing with like heavy drama family situations. I mean, that's kind of his bread and butter, but he excels in it. Did you see those baseball commercials he did for like Nike or Adidas? I don't remember Mm-mm. which, but maybe it's even Reebok. I don't know. But yeah, you can YouTube it. He did like a series of baseball commercials for one of those companies. Are it they would... like sentimental or? No, they're like, I don't know. They're not Ashy. very good commercials, but oh, okay. like, it, it's there's it's like he's just staging baseball. Like the camera spins around the pitcher, and I don't know. So it's more of like a directorial or like kind of like a flashy showcase rather than like a story showcase. Yeah, it would be like it's if the if you saw the commercial on TV, you would be like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, it's a fucking oh oh. Adidas is selling me shit. Okay, never mind. You know, it's like 
It's like those Super Bowl commercials where you watch it and it almost it's like, did fucking Terrence Malick direct this? Like what's happening? Like, mm. you know, it's like the quality of it is elevated and you're like, where is this going? But at the end of the day, it's just selling you shit. You know, it's one of those, you know, it's, it's a well done commercial, but it's not like funny or sad or anything. It's just a cool baseball. It's like 60 seconds or something like that. It's been a while I'll since I've seen it. Add those to the watch list along <laughs> with the uh, Light Between Oceans. Yeah, you gotta get the complete filmography. <laughs> Man, that movie's not streaming anywhere. Sucky. Nobody wants it. Um, um a c- couple other things. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. I watched. Have you guys heard of My Octopus Teacher? Yes, I have heard uh, people were very disappointed he doesn't fuck the octopus. (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers. (laughs) Well, it's a new documentary on Netflix. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Probably one of the more engaging things I've watched this year. Um, It's a little, I mean, so some people have completely written this movie off just saying it's like, you know, like white people bullshit, like privileged white people (laughs) trying to like make their lives more important than it needs to be. Or like, um, (laughs) I I don't know, there's a shot of him like on his um, like back porch and he lives on the water. So people just like take that and run with it. Like, oh, this guy, he's just a wealthy piece of shit who you know just tried to make a story out of nothing um so i mean while that stuff is funny to me like there's some pretty good letterbox reviews of this movie um i think that's just a completely wrong way to look at this um but essentially this documentary is about this guy who is kind of in a rut with his life and his career and so he like tries to find something to like get him passionate again and he like starts taking up diving and he s- somehow develops a relationship with an octopus and it just kind of, it sounds silly, but it is, it's pretty fascinating. And I don't watch a lot of nature docs, so maybe that's where part of my fascination was from just because I don't really know a lot. You've of- never seen an octopus before. You know about them, <laughs> but this is the first time I've ever seen one on video. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess it was just cool to see um just like the intricacies and more like the day-to-day life of a sea creature because he literally dives to go like visit and explore where this octopus is you know dwelling for like a year straight like every day and so i know i'll never do that sort of thing so it was kind of cool vicariously living through this guy and his journey um it's also just it looks really good um just like the footage they got is really cool and sure you know like gopros can do anything these days so i guess it's not that cool but i don't i don't know i found the footage (laughs) to be um pretty enthralling um but yeah i don't know it's just a it's just like a cool little exploration that i would uh recommend very nice yeah i've been meaning to watch it i haven't done it yet but Cram jam. We're in the middle of cram jam now, so it's coming. Do you guys still there? Mm-hmm. Oh, not, nothing. <laughs> Is Travis? Are you still there, Travis? <laughs> oh, Travis. oh, I think oh, we lost. Sorry, can you hear me now? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Now we can hear you. I might have muted myself. What is the last thing you heard me say? <laughs> uh, you finished talking about octopus, octopusy or whatever. Well, yeah. Um, anyways, it's on Netflix and it's definitely worth a watch, in my opinion, <laughs> at least. Yeah. Uh, cool. What else? You watched, um, um, you want to talk uh, Unpregnant? Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you if you were going to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom, you should uh, watch Unpregnant with Sarah. I unless you did. You didn't take our advice, did you? When you were asking us for what you guys should watch. No, no, no we didn't. We didn't. We didn't watch it. D what did you watch? Uh, run. Hmm. Really? I thought this was post run. I don't know. Maybe we never got to anything that night. <laughs> Just spent. 45 minutes looking at stuff on Amazon, <laughs> Netflix, Hulu, and then just put on Bob's Burgers or something. Oh, man. I haven't seen Bob's Burgers in forever. That's a great idea. <laughs> um, no more movies the rest of the year. It's back to Bob's Burgers. Hell yeah, dude. Um, Unpregnant is on HBO Max. Um, it's really good. It's one of the best films of the year. Um, it's one of those coming of age, kind of high school comedy dramas, um, but really funny um i like the characters a lot uh Haley lou richardson is one of my favorites she's the mm -hmm. main character I, I think she's been killing it the past couple of years um barbie barbie ferrera plays her like kind of weirdo kind of goth friend and they go on a road trip together um it was really good it gets kind of silly in some places but I thought it was endearing. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think you did too, right, Travis? Uh, yeah, I would pretty much agree with everything you said. Uh, I think it's really funny, funnier than I expected it to be for, you know, like an indie comedy that just hits a streaming platform. It kind of reminded me of Booksmart with just like the humor and the, well, maybe not the relationship. It's not as close as the the two leads in book smart, but mm -hmm. just some of the humor. Uh, the plot was very similar in a way to the movie. I just watched not too long ago from this year. Never rarely, sometimes always, but definitely a different approach. Um, definitely goes for a more comedic aspect, even though there are some, there's some drama in this. Yeah. Um, but it, I would say it's more so a comedy than anything. Um, yeah, I think the one thing that I would maybe take away from it um, would be that some of the scenarios were a little bit unbelievable or just a little too convenient. Yeah. But I kind of forgave that just because it's a comedy. Um, but yeah, it's really entertaining and it's a good story and it, it's funny. So definitely worth a watch. Yeah, if if you've got HBO Max, it's uh, definitely worth the watch. Which uh, you have it, right, Tom? Yeah, yeah. I think it's free now with Amazon Prime or something like that. What? Really? Sarah I mean, got some sort of notice that it's like free with Prime. Well, do you guys pay for HBO through Prime? Mm -hmm. Well, okay, that's what it is. Yeah, that that's how I got it too, because I have HBO as a as a Prime channel. And I, I also got an email saying HBO Max is included. Um, I don't know why that happened, but I am not going to complain. I think HBO Max is sweet. So steal, 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 dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Anything else, Travis? Um, 
Regarding Unpregnant or just in general? Oh, well, both, I guess. I meant uh, any other films, but yeah, if you uh, have anything else on Unpregnant. No, just that it was surprising, I guess. It was better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as other stuff I've watched, mm, I did watch Bad Education on HBO. Oh, yeah, that movie is great. I watched that back when it came out. Did you like it? It was okay. I don't know. The It's one of those movies that it has a similar plot to a bunch of other movies and just the subject matter isn't all that exciting to me. I don't know. It's it's one of those movies that I feel like you can just, you kind of know what you're getting into before you even watch it. So there's not much of a surprise to it. You know what I mean? I Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I thought... I thought it was a pretty interesting story and there were some unexpected twists and turns along the way. And I think Hugh, Hugh Jackman's great in it and Alice and Janney too. I thought it was yeah, the performances good. were good, but, and it was directed by your boy, mm-hmm. the thoroughbreds director. Yep. It's got a, not the same, uh, kind of, uh, cynic, uh, like kind of like venom, that thoroughbreds had like that's kind of a kind of a dark fucked up movie the bad education doesn't really have that but um i i like bad education i think you would like it too tom it's basically about like a school budgeting scandal kind of thing <laughs> which doesn't sound entertaining but um it's pretty good I'm i enjoyed it quite a bit cool what else travis um I watched Seaberg. Oh was yeah. Was that was that from this year or last year? Um, I think it if you look at it on IMDb, it says two thousand nineteen, but I think it would be considered two thousand twenty. Cause yeah, of cause I know it, it released. hit Prime on or in two thousand twenty. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if it actually released in theaters early twenty twenty or if it tried to do some sort of Oscar push in twenty nineteen. Uh, I watched I it for 2020 purposes. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it would make any sort of list or anything, but um, it was decent. Most of the reviews on it are negative. Like some people just say it's trash, but maybe they're <laughs> more tied to the story. I don't know. It seemed kind of, I mean, it's it's a pretty generic biopic to an extent. I mean, it's not really even a biopic and the story is really not even that complex. Like they don't really dive into it a whole lot, but essentially the movie's about Jean Seberg, who was an actress from like the sixties. I think she was really popular in like the French new wave era, but she also did American films as well. And, um, she was like a, what is it called? Like a, not a champion of, uh, but like an endorser of like the, the black lives matter movement back then. Civil Um, rights movement. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I really need to pee. So my mind is elsewhere, Uh, (laughs) but uh, yeah, no, I thought it was solid. I thought Kristen Stewart was good in it. And, um, I like the period piece aspect of it and like some of her costuming and stuff. 
Um, but yeah, it was decent. It was not great by any means, but it's definitely not as bad as people are saying it is. I don't really know why people are so against it. Like I said, maybe they have a closer connection to the actual person. I didn't really know much about her before watching this. And not that I really got a great understanding of who she was after watching it. It kind of just focuses on a portion of her life. But uh, yeah, I thought it was solid. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'll probably catch up with that. I got I got a piss. Sorry. All right, go ahead. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts on the 1990 film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Uh, was that the live action one? Yes. Um, my thoughts are I haven't seen it since I was like six, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so I it's on HBO Max or I don't think it is anymore but it was um and I decided I wanted to watch it uh-huh. um as I was watching it I realized I don't think I ever saw this when I was a kid like I think the only one of these that I saw when I was little is the one I think it's the bad one the third one where they like go to like the wild west and like oh, samurai yeah. times and Did like I remember that yeah, I, I kind of remember that, but um, it's okay. I I had a good time with it. It's definitely dated. I, I like the costumes, although they do look kind of bad in some places, but I like that they went for it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's practical. There's no, like, digital effects, and I like that. Um, I... I, I don't think they do enough to differentiate the different turtles in the movie. Um, <laughs> like Raphael is really the only one who like stands out cause he's like the brooding kind of sassy one. You know what I mean? The other three, like they don't really do a ton to differentiate them. Um, but it was, it was pretty fun. Um, it's not something that I am going to return to probably, but cause I don't really have any nostalgia for it. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of wanted to, see how it holds up. I do like the Ninja Turtles. So I was like, yeah, let's give her a poke. And it was good. I enjoyed it, but eh, it, it's not oh, something I'm going to return the original? To. Yeah, from 1990. Hell yeah. I don't... It's been a while. I don't know if I had ever seen it or not. Mm. I don't remember. I was telling Tom that the only... When I look back on it, the only memory I have, I think is of the third one. Because the third one is the one where they time travel, right? Secret of the Ooze is what it's all about. That's well. So I've seen the YouTube <laughs> clip of the turtle rap. The turtle <laughs> rap is killer. <laughs> oh my god! I did not watch uh, Secret of the Ooze though, because oh, I, I I don't think these movies are on HBO Max anymore. Like I think they came off at the end of November. But uh, I was planning on watching all three of them, but I, I just got to the first one, so. Anyway, not much to say. It was fine. I, I enjoyed myself. Um, and I watched Baby Teeth, which is one of the best films of 2020. Um, I thought it was fantastic. It stars um, the chick who played the youngest sister in Little Women. Mm-hmm. Beth, right? Is that her name? Beth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the sickly one. Yes, the sickly one. Stars her. Eli- Eliza something, I think. Um, and Ben Mendelsohn plays her dad. And it's one of those, like, 
terminally ill teens uh, falling in love type of movie, but it's definitely has a unique spin on that because the person she falls in love with is like a drug dealer. Um, and I thought it was very entertaining, um, pretty sad and, and poignant. And uh, the, the score, not the score, the soundtrack is killer. Like the music in this movie, I was vibing the whole time through. I was loving it. Um, What's with this girl playing uh, people who are sick? She just looks sickly, I guess. (laughs) She's typecast as being a sickly young lady. Interesting. Um, I thought it was fantastic. It's it's one of the best films of 2020. And uh, if either of you uh, plan on doing any kind of cramming for best Mm -hmm. of, uh, I think Baby Teeth should be on the short list because it's on Hulu and it's like, I mean, it's two hours. It's not short, but, you know, it's manageable and it's quite good. So I would uh, highly recommend it. I will watch it solely on your recommendation, Matt. It's just that kind of year, huh? (laughs) It doesn't take much in 2020. I'm looking for stuff to make the list, and my list as of right now is not ideal. So I feel decent about mine. I've seen no way, dude. I've seen almost (laughs) I've seen almost 60 2020 films. So I'm doing pretty good. I've given one movie five stars this year, and that's <laughs> not not enough. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I know. Usually by the end of the year, I've given like 10 to 15 five-star ratings, and I have given three this year. Um, but anyway, that's Baby Teeth. And one more that I'll talk about is Happiest Season. I'm assuming neither of you guys watch this. No. No, but it's going to be like the next movie i watch with chelsea we just need to uh, align our schedules yeah it's uh <laughs> uh very much a chelsea movie i think she will she will enjoy it a lot um Haley liked it more than i did um it was fine um i don't know if you guys have seen <laughs> some of the discourse around happiest season but there is um a little bit of outrage over uh, I don't want to get too specific. There's a, it's a love story. So it is um, Kristen Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis who played uh Tully, in mm-hmm. in Tully, um, better known as the prostitute in Blade Runner 2049. Yep, that too. Um, she is the love interest, and she basically. Invites Kristen Stewart to go with her to visit her family for Christmas, but her parents don't know that she's gay. Um, So it's about, you know, it's one of those movies about living in the closet and being able to express your true self. And uh, there's some funny parts. Like, I think the first half is actually pretty good. I like the first half of Happiest Season quite a bit. But then by the second half, it kind of turns into less of a comedy and more of a... It it does the holiday movie thing of handing down life lessons. You know what I mean? Like, the characters see the errors of their ways and they uh, have an epiphany and it it ends up being all about family and love and all this stuff. So that was kind of disappointing, but... So is the criticism that that's not... That's not true for a lot of people. Well, so that's not what people are criticizing. Um, 
I'm okay. I won't be too specific, but people think Kristen Stewart ends up with the wrong person at the end of the movie. And you will know exactly (laughs) what I'm talking about if you watch it. Because as soon as you see who I'm talking about, you're going to be like, oh, they're going to fuck. They should fuck. Oh, they're going to spend the rest of their lives together. They're amazing together. And, you know, <laughs> it's you'll, you'll you'll know what I mean when you see it. But it's a, it's a good Christmas movie. Like, I think you guys should watch it just given the season. It's very Christmassy. There's snow. There's a Christmas party. Snow? There's all that stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, man. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> What's funny had is... had me at snow. <laughs> Chelsea didn't realize this was a Christmas movie. And I had told her it was. And I was like, how can you not get that from the title or even like the poster? It's right. They're wearing going. Christmas sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how much, you know, marketing she's seen of it or whatever. Yeah. But it seemed very clear that it was a Christmas yes. <laughs> of some sort. Um, I will say Dan Levy is in it and he steals every scene that he's in. He's That's not in beautiful. it. He's not in it much, but. He is fucking hilarious in it. Um, it's good. Does he it, play it's a funny. similar character to Schitt's Creek? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is this he on uh, Netflix? Uh, Hulu. Oh, Hulu. That's right. Yep. Hulu. Just killing it. Yep. Crushing this year. Um, Matt, yeah. real quick. Did you start Big Mouth season four? Well, I guess oh, I could just dude, extend that I to haven't. Tom, too. No, not uh, yet. I'm waiting for Haley. Oh, Haley's been out of town the past couple of days, so that's, mm. I, I got to watch that with her. I watched... I think at least half of it last night. It is good stuff. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel really like excited. they uh, they're they're trying to do a bit more with the show. I mean, you you can kind of get that vibe with each season, but it seems like they're really um, like putting more into it these days than they were initially. Hmm. I'm excited. Um, oh. Before we go, is anybody watching The Mandalorian? Because it's really fucking good. I don't know if you guys oh, yeah. are up to date or not, but uh, uh, I didn't watch this last week's episode, but I'm like, yeah, the, an episode behind. I think. Um, I just watched the new episode this morning. You know who directed it? Who? Fucking Robert Rodriguez, baby. Oh man. Oh yeah. It's got to be great. It's a banger. <laughs> It's this season, I think, is I like season one of The Mandalorian, but this season is even better. Like, I am loving what they've been doing with season two. Um, Sorry, Tom, did, did you say you have been watching it or you, you have not? No, I've never seen any. I've never done the Disney Plus oh, thing. What? what? <laughs> Tom, you would love it. It's good. Yeah. I, it's just one of those things I know Sarah doesn't care about, so it's just like, hey, I'm gonna get Disney Plus and spend a bunch of money on uh, watching <laughs> The Mandalorian without you. You can use my login if you want. I think oh, pa- Paris is the only other one who uses mine. Nice. Uh, plus, the Home Alone I, one and two are both on Disney Plus. You gotta watch I those. Been waiting. Yeah, I kind of uh, been waiting for like some things to come on there that that both of us really really want to see, like. Um, Actually, isn't Hamilton already on there? Yeah, Hamilton mm-hmm. came out a couple months ago. I yeah. still haven't seen it. I figured that would be like the catalyst. It's like, okay, let's finally watch Hamilton because we're never gonna see it live. Yeah, in the near <laughs> in the near future. So, um, and then that would be the foray into Disney Plus. Yeah, well, we'll we'll save the conversation maybe until the season's over, Travis. But 
Um, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm really enjoying uh, season two. Uh, yeah, it's been cool. I mean, it's it's just like the perfect little amount of Star Wars adventure every week. Yep. You know. Yep. <laughs> and I do. The show is still basically <clears throat> every week is kind of. Uh, a different standalone thing. You know, there's some monster they have to catch or there's some whatever, but I do think season two is doing a better job. (coughs) Excuse me. Season two is doing a better job of mixing in story beats. Like there's more of a forward progression Mm -hmm. and character development in season two than there was in season one, which I have uh, very much appreciated. Um, but yeah, you gotta watch the new one. There's a, a cameo, a returning character, uh, from the original Star Wars trilogy. Oh my god! I already know what it is, but they've been hinting oh, at do? it for like basically the whole season. Why? Just because? Because of the armor? Or? <laughs> no, not. I mean, that is part of it. But I'm pretty sure we even you get a glimpse of the, the character ship, right? slash actor. Like at the end of episode two, maybe of season two, he's like the last shot, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's so and so who plays so and so." And yeah, I mean, the whole season is kind of hinting at this character. Is what so? I, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's it's not really a surprise that he has finally you know, popped up. I uh, want to watch Clone Wars even more now than I did before. (laughs) Okay, now I know. That's how they get you. (laughs) Oh, so that's actually separate. I'm also talking about that, Tom, because there's... (laughs) But that's not what Travis is talking about. Oh, okay, okay. There's a new character, not new character, but there's a Clone Wars character who came, like, an episode ago and then this new episode so there now is, i know what you're talking about man <laughs> i'll just say he is a famous uh mandalorian <laughs> <laughs> the most famous mandalorian when you think of a mandalorian him. are there any others <laughs> well his dad <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah mandalorian rolls <laughs> um all right anything else nah. i think i'm good fuck yeah dude well i don't know what's next uh wonder woman comes out christmas day um so i guess it depends on recording schedule maybe we'll end up doing wonder woman next but when, um, when you say comes out theaters or no you didn't hear Oh, Tom. HBO Max, Christmas nice. Day, free. Nice. I mean, I'll be watching the NBA, but um, other than that, sick. Yeah, HBO Max yeah. and every other, I think, what was it, Warner Brothers, all of their movies? There Dune. was a slew of Warner Brothers movies that are have been announced to release on HBO Max, same day as theaters. The whole slate, fucking, fucking yeah. Dune, fucking... Um, Snyder Cut. Um, oh, Matrix 4. So, yeah, cinema Sick. is dead officially. Yeah, it's game over. Mank sucked. <laughs> All of uh, Warner Brothers shit's going to HBO. It's over. 
I dig yep. it. All of Universal shit is going to get put on Peacock, and no one's yep. going to watch it. <laughs> I'm going to have to have ice cold Coca-Cola at my house. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, dude, I know. It's going to be tough, but you'll find a way. So anyway, I don't know what we're going to record next time, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, we're going to be recording the digest tomorrow. I don't know when this fucking thing's going to air, but, uh, we're recording tomorrow. It's going to be Thanksgiving, ep- um, of Thanksgiving, scary movies, a little, little late at this point, but I'll try and edit that one and get it right up. So, um, stay tuned, subscribe to the feed, send us an email, cinephiles digest at gmail.com. Any last thoughts before we go ahead and wrap her up? Go Hawks. I know that won't mean yep. anything uh, in a couple hours, but. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I'm even going to be able to watch it. I haven't checked to see if uh, if it's playing here or not. Who are they playing? The Giants. Uh, then, yeah, I'm Dude, probably not going to The Raiders watch it. beat the 0 and 11, now 0 and 12 Jets. In the last five seconds. Oh my god, dude! And they got fucking curb stomped by. Uh, oh my god! Whoever, <laughs> what, what was it last week? <laughs> the Falcon, <laughs> right? <laughs> dude, that was brutal. Uh, still, still a couple games left. Let's see what happens with the oh Raiders. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, let's get the fuck out of here, boys. How does that sound? All right, let's do it. it sounds great. All right, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back. Peace. Later. Later.